everyone, and welcome to another episode of Life After Tech Bootcamp. Let's just jump right in. I've noticed a common trend of individuals transitioning to UX or data science from similar careers. For instance, many professionals in design, such as graphic designers, architects, fashion designers, are making the shift to UX. Similarly, individuals with teaching backgrounds and a passion for mathematics often find themselves venturing into computer science and analytics. I completely understand these trends, and as other guests have previously discussed, the importance of transferable skills makes a career change go a little more smooth. But what makes our guest today so special is that she made a career pivot that I hadn't even considered, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to Ashley, who will share her unique story and how she applied her previous experience to her current career in ways I never considered. So with that, let me introduce you to Ashley. Ashley is a former graphic designer turned software engineer through Springboard's software engineering career track. She is currently using her background in design and coding, working as a solutions engineer for a marketing company called Adlucent. She hopes her story is able to help other people. Ashley, welcome. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me today. uh, I'm glad to have the opportunity to uh, talk about software engineering, especially in the realm of career changing. Absolutely. And a little aside before we get into talking about that, would you like to share where you're tuning in from? Yes, I'm actually in France right now. I work fully remote, so I just want to take advantage of being able to work wherever you can, so wherever you want. So I started traveling a lot more ever since I started working as a software engineer. Nothing wrong with France. I've gone a couple times, and it's one of my favorite countries to visit. It is very beautiful. Uh, even at this time of the year, even though it's cold, uh, I think they're going to put up Christmas decorations soon, so it's very beautiful. Yes, Christmas decorations never look not beautiful, so very exciting. Um, well, let's get into talking about how you got to this lifestyle of being able to work pretty much anywhere in the world. So you you know, you were a graphic designer. Um, tell me a little bit more about what you were doing before switching. Yes, I was working as a graphic designer before. I was doing that for about uh, seven years after I graduated college. I did go to school for design as well. So I've always wanted to be a graphic designer. And I, for a while, was doing a lot of you know, freelance work or contract basis work. And I finally got a regular salaried position kind of in my later 20s. And I was really happy for a while doing that. Uh, but then, you know, I was, I was working in New York City at the time. And then it was during 2020 when there was a lot of change. A lot of people left New York. I, myself included, I got laid off. From, from my job so I didn't know exactly what to do at first so I decided to go back to school to learn something different because I, I wasn't sure that graphic design was a very bright future for me it was starting to become very automated I was learning so the logical next step was to explore UI and UX and that, so I took a few classes for UI and UX experience. And then I took like a small workshop for coding as supplementary knowledge. And then realized I just really liked the coding more. So I just decided to go in that direction more. So that's when I researched about more serious coding schools. And that's how I found uh, Springboard. And then I took another course after that, which is more like a career development program that helped me ultimately find my job. So all in all, it took about four programs, like four different schools to become a software engineer. First I was um, taking a UI UX workshop and then I went to a small coding workshop and then I joined the immersive bootcamp with Springboard. 
and then a career accelerator program after that for a few months until I found a job that I really like. That's incredible. Um, and that is quite normal graphic design. I feel like it's a consistent switch to UX because you're kind of doing those skills already in a sense, visually at least. So tell me a little bit more about what struck you about coding. What made you, obviously you're doing it, you're, you've discovered you like it, but what was it specifically about that skill set that made you think this is what I need to keep doing? I think they're a little bit, it's, it's different in, from graphic design in that it's a little bit more objective. I'm sure we can argue that a little, but it's, it either works or it doesn't work. You know, it's pretty clear, like if there's something broken or not. Uh, with graphic design, it's a lot more subjective where it kind of depends on like what the client wants or what your boss wants. And maybe you have to make changes to it a bunch of times. Uh, but with coding, it's it's a little more black and white about if something is it works or not, if it's broken or not. So I think I liked that, that it's... Um, Honestly, a little bit more job security as well, too, because we're definitely going in that direction where there's a lot more things that are becoming automated. Uh, graphic design, uh, different stages of UI and UX are starting to rely more and more on coding and being able to build what you're designing. But I at least wanted to go for the front end. I do, I did learn the back end as well too, but the front end is where you really get to have the most use of the background and design as well too. So that's, that's what I currently do. Right. Yeah. I think that's so interesting how it was more of a, the objectivity versus subjectivity. And yes, in design, I think UX, there's not, you know, it, there is that sense of, well, the business wants it, or this design isn't actually that great, but it makes the business money. So we're not going to change it to something that we would think is more user-friendly. So that's a really interesting perspective that you shared. So I'd like to move into, you did four programs and you decided coding was the way to go. So what was your experience like at Springboard, um, doing the software engineering track, what, what were some of the biggest surprises or things that you learned through the program? My time at Springboard was a very, a very special time looking back at it. Well, first of all, it was during 2020 and parts of 2021. It was during when we were in like full lockdowns where we could, we couldn't go out or anything. So it was very easy to stay focused on it. It was one of those things where you kind of like, you just get into it and you kind of like lose track of time. And before you know, it's like 12 hours later and you haven't eaten or something like that. Uh, it was so, I mean, it, it definitely lives up to its name. It's an immersive boot camp. It's um, very, it's a lot of information that you have to get through with all the, the, de the debugging the thing that was um, very helpful is that it's actually not so isolating. You're able to connect with other students. I think that's something I liked about the program is that there's support. You know, there's a lot of people who are self-taught developers and good for them. I mean, certainly it takes a very brilliant mind to do that. But for me, I definitely needed the social aspect of it. It was really great to be able to ask for help from other students and from TAs. And I've actually made some friends at, at Springboard. You know, obviously online. I've only met um, one of them in person a few times, but uh, it was really nice having a community, um, even though it is an online school. So that was what was special about working the boot camp as opposed to being like a self-taught developer. Yes. And having that structure of the curriculum so that you're not constantly hunting down what you should be learning. I also do agree the support was a very special thing, especially during the lockdown. I also did my boot camp during that time and 
I really had nothing more to do other than springboard. So that it, it truly was a special time. I think everyone was incredibly open to connecting and learning together. So I'm very happy you also were able to remind me of that, even though the pandemic wasn't, you know, I don't think anyone wants that to come back. <laughs> um, that being said, were there any struggles that you had during the course, like any challenges that you had to overcome with learning or understanding concepts? Well, I think I definitely struggled with the data and algorithms at the end. That was definitely the, the toughest part where you're, that's, that requires the most logical thinking. And I think it was also debugging. I don't know if it's the same anymore, but if anyone still has that snack or booze project, I think it was like assessment six. That was the most difficult project. <laughs> I mean, too, because we had to debug like a project that was already created. And that was tough. <laughs> oh, I think that was um, using Flask and Python. But it was, I had to get some help for, for that one for my peers. Uh, but definitely the most fun thing doing was uh, the capstones. Working on your own project has challenges, but it was also fun to have like that freedom to do the things that you want with your own project. Uh, but yeah, I'd say the, the most challenging part was the down and algorithms at the end. I think there's a reason that they kept it at the very end. <laughs> so that way we have time to learn more before we get to the hardest part. Right. And also, was would you agree that that's probably the hardest for most people in the course? I don't know. Because I think that a lot of people, some people, have had previous experience with it as well, too. Like, not everybody's brand new to coding. And I think that's one of the first things that you may learn if you're a self-taught developer is all those data and algorithms. Um, but as far as other students, okay. I don't know. I don't know if there's like one thing that we all found the same challenging. So it really depends on the person. That makes sense. I, I was thinking maybe they put it at the end because a lot of people found it challenging, but that's just maybe me being facetious. So you said that you did another work program after Springboard, but was there anything within the Springboard course that you did outside to learn about your profession or prepare you for a career switch? No, I think when I was in Springboard, that's all I was doing at the time. I was, I did everything pretty um, in, one at a time. So I was, uh, I was in Springboard for a while. And then I think, the directions that they gave us about exploring what kind of software engineer was was really helpful. Uh, that's what I did. And I think it especially helps with your mentor. If you um, utilize your mentor, you have to make sure that you like your mentor. I definitely really liked mine. I think that's like really the core of where you get the most of your information because it's a, that's what makes it a very personalized experience you know because they they can see your work and your strengths and weaknesses and then they can help guide you to what kind of software engineer you want to be because one of the questions is like yeah you want to be a software engineer but what kind a software engineer is actually a pretty broad word that was something i learned in uh springboard i didn't know that software engineers were it was a broad concept <laughs> so you need to have a direction i think that uh, the mentor and some of the homework that they gave us about researching what's out there in the field was, was very helpful. I think it was very aligned with what we would be facing once we finished Springboard. That's great to know. And getting into that job hunt, so I'm curious, were you doing Springboard in parallel with the final program that you did? Or did you job hunt? What what was that experience like? I did that one at a time. First, I finished Springboard, and then it was actually through Springboard that I heard about um, Outco. It's that career accelerator program. It's actually a little. I mean, it's really for any software engineers. But I did find more experienced software engineers when I joined that program. But I essentially just felt like I needed. To 
extra support after I finished springboard in uh, networking and finding a job. So uh, they, that's what they offered. And further training with data and algorithms. That was the big thing for me because I felt like because that was a, such a struggle for me, they were able to help with that gap as well too because it's really important for software engineers and they provided further training and support with that too. I see. So uh, in my head, and this was just me, but when you said this fourth program, a career accelerator, I sort of assumed that this was like a, an internship, but it sounds like it was, well, why don't you just, if you would describe what Outco is. It's called, well, they define themselves as like a career accelerator. So it's really for any, it's for software engineers specifically. It's for any software engineer that wants to level up their career. Uh, so a lot of the students, I would say, are already software engineers, and maybe they just want more money, or maybe they want to find another job that offers more money, or maybe they want to work for a fang company, and they need further training for that because they have pretty lengthy interviews for those positions. Or th there may be people like me who are new software engineers that just need extra support finding a role because they have their own career coaches. So you're having, and there's more than one too. So you can talk to multiple ones. So there's lots of guidance. And then part of the deal is that you are with them um, until you find the job that you want. So it's not just when you find a job, then you don't need them anymore. It's when, it's when you get the results that you want, then or you can finally leave the program. So they're, they're there to support you until you uh, find what you're looking for. That's so fascinating. Well, thank you for sharing that resource. Um, I wish there was something like that for UX. Maybe there is, I just, I haven't heard it. But that's a really fantastic program that they don't, especially the fact that you don't get kicked out. You can keep going and have that support. Plus, I would think if people are there for multiple reasons, it was excellent for networking. Yeah, I definitely thought it was, it was very helpful. It worked out well for me. Like I have a success story from them. But, I mean, you rarely hear where it doesn't work out, but really they they make sure that they do vet the the software engineers to make sure that they can they can help them out but um, it's definitely a really great resource if there's a software engineer that needs some help that's fantastic well let's dive into the job hunt so you're in this accelerator but you're also hunting for a job through springboard who gives us career coaches that help us with that process what was your job hunt like? My job hunt, you know, I know at the end of springboard, after you finish, you're supposed to kind of like continue utilizing springboard for a little while, but I didn't really, I did keep them updated a little bit here and there about um, the jobs I was applying to, but I was really more focused on outcome at the time. I was applying to maybe like up to a hundred jobs a week. I was doing networking and eventually I found a position from uh, playing the numbers game. You know, I just applied to enough jobs. The networking, the networking was fun. I definitely learned a lot, but I ultimately found a, a job through LinkedIn, one of their job postings. Incredible. First of all, a hundred jobs a week. Could you tell me about how many weeks you were doing this for? I think I, let's see, I'm trying to remember. It was like a few months, I would say. When I first finished Springboard, I um, was looking very seriously for about four weeks. And then I took a break. I took like a vacation for a while. And then when I came back, then I started to get a little more serious with Alico. So I applied to more. And I was in, in contact with my mentor from Springboard at the time. So I got some advice from him as well, too. And he was telling me I need to apply to more 
jobs. Like he was thinking I was not applying to as much as I should. So that's how I brought my number up to like a hundred jobs per week. But this is back in like 2021. Uh, so we like the end of 2021 and then mid 2022. So the job market was much different than it is now. They were needing a lot of software engineers at the time. So uh, there was a lot of jobs to apply to. And I'm trying to remember the number of weeks. It, it took months. I would say, I think it was four solid months that I was looking. So I definitely feel for people that are have been looking for a longer time. Certainly. And four months isn't a short period of time, especially when you're hitting send a hundred times a week. That's not nothing. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about the numbers game that you played and how that, I don't know if theory is the right word, but how that worked for you. Oh yeah. The the numbers game was easier to do than networking. You know, I think with every uh, career program or any school, they they do seem to push networking a lot and it does work for a lot of people. I think, you know, on LinkedIn, I see a lot of people advertising that too. It's like, about who you know and I I guess that is true but I don't know my story went, went very differently than that networking was was fun I learned a lot I got to meet a lot of people but I ultimately found my job another way yeah I found it um, by by playing the numbers game and yes it definitely um hurts to see all the rejection emails but as soon as I get one, I just immediately move it to trash so that way I don't have to look at it. And yeah, I see just... no reason to keep that energy in your inbox. <laughs> yeah, I mean, rejection, it hurts. It definitely really can bring you down. I, I admit it, it definitely hurts. But you just have to keep trying. You know, you have to put your energy in things that you can control. And if it's something that you were rejected from, it was never meant for you you know you shouldn't have to beg for these opportunities you know the employer should be totally interested in you you shouldn't have to be wondering like why they haven't called you back or why you haven't heard back employers shouldn't be excited to talk to you again you know to include you on their team i completely agree it's a two-way street and yeah if you have to beg for a job that that can't be good so i would love to understand you're applying to jobs via linkedin how many interviews were you getting with applying to a hundred jobs a week? I think um, probably two per week. Yeah. It was about two. Um, some weeks there was, there was three, but I, I don't know about today. <laughs> I mean, I keep comparing it to what it's probably like today. I just don't want people to get their expectations very high because this is back in 2022 and the job market was much different now. Okay. Yeah. I, I was also job hunting during that time and it was, it was wild. I don't think companies could hire fast enough. And I would be very curious to know that portfolio that I networked with and shopped around how that would do in today's job market. I don't actually want to know that, <laughs> but um, yeah, it I, I haven't looked for a job since I got my first job, but I have heard it's a different world out there. Um, but tell me about the interview process for the job you have now. What was that like? Well, the job I have now was, it's not a very traditional tech company, to be honest. They don't do like what we were taught in school. The interview process was, first I had a conversation with my, my supervisor, what would have been my supervisor. And then I had a conversation with my CTO, so my supervisor's boss, which eventually would be my boss. And that was it. Uh, Yeah, I remember that I received a phone call after that, uh, like after I spoke to the CTO. He called me, I was like a Friday afternoon. I wasn't even in town. And he called me and he asked me to join a meeting. And it's like a Friday and I'm like, uh, he's like, hey, you know, we're having this meeting like in 10 minutes. I, 
And uh, I was wondering, like, hey, if you're available, like, it would be great if you would join. And I'm, like, sitting there at my on my phone okay. like, in Detroit, like, two hours away from home. Because I'm unemployed at the time. <laughs> and then he's, and I'm, I mean, you're trying not to, like, disappoint your maybe future employers. So I'm, like, oh, my yeah. God. I'm, like, no, I'm sorry, I can't. <laughs> I'm not even home. I'm, like. And then I remember he said, yeah, that's totally understandable, but, you know, it would be great. Like, hopefully starting Monday, we can get you, like, an offer letter and get that ball rolling. And I tried not to get my hopes up, but, um, yeah, Monday comes along, and then their HR team contacts me again. Okay. And um, then I, I got my offer letter. But it was not traditional, like, what we're taught about with software engineering jobs. But I definitely did go with other employers that I interviewed with. I did first it was a conversation and then it's a, like a take home exam because I am a front end developer. And then usually I didn't hear back after that. <laughs> That's the sad part. So That's, that does hurt when it's your work and then no one tells you anything about it later. Yeah. Well, at least I got some practice in, I suppose. <laughs> Yes, I was just talking to somebody else about how every interview is practiced for the main one. But let's get back to that wild call where someone wanted you to join a meeting in 10 minutes for a company you didn't even work for yet. That blows my mind that someone would call you out of the blue. Um, I believe another guest, Timothy, he had that same scenario where people would just call him and offer him a job. And we were like, why do people call you? <laughs> like, it's, t- like, it's, t- what, it's 2023. Send a text for her. <laughs> I'm obviously kidding. If you want to offer me a job, you can call me. It's fine. But yeah, I that is so funny that they just called you and wanted you to join a meeting. What was going through your head? Like, obviously you were like, no, I can't. I'm not home. But what, what honestly would you think this meeting could have been about? Um. He was telling me, they're talking about like the architecture for the project that, you know, I was supposed to be working on. And they, they told me about the project when I was interviewing with them and they, they want to put a team together to build it. So I was aware of the project and they said that he's having a meeting about like the architecture about it. And he said, it'd be great if you just by chance are available. But because I was unemployed at the time, I was like, no, I'm not even home. I wasn't expecting this. Uh the way I felt, I was I was embarrassed. I, I mean, although there's nothing to be embarrassed by, but you know, if it's your potential employer, you want to make them happy. You want to impress them. Uh, and of course, I, I wasn't around. I couldn't. But he understood. It was fine. But I was embarrassed. Yeah, I would. I would say that's a green flag of an employer. Um, yeah. If that, that is a big ask. Can you just join a meeting in 10 minutes for a company you don't work for yet? Uh, that would have been a, that would have been a bit of a, a shock if he had been upset and then you didn't get the job because of that. But I'm glad it worked out. And that is such a funny story. Um, so you get this offer letter. You've been unemployed this whole time. Not to harp on that. But what was that feeling like? What? Try not to get my hopes up, you know, because there's been other false alarms as well, too. I mean, nothing like that, but, you know, it sounds like you're really connecting with um, the interviewer. You sound like you're both on the same page. It feels like, it, you know, there's some hope with it. So, you know, on Monday, I was continuing to apply to other jobs. I mean, until I really saw an offer letter, I wasn't really going to take it that seriously. But... It's a very emotional thing, looking for jobs, being unemployed. So I tried not to get my hopes up, but I was very happy to see that. It's definitely a very good sign if an employer calls you and asks you to join a meeting. (laughs) Certainly. So I know you were saying the numbers game was what worked for you. Obviously, you're here now. But what else worked for you during the job hunt? I was very in touch with my mentor, you know, I think it depends on everybody. Everybody has a different experience with their mentor. I luckily had a really good relationship with my mentor. I 
uh, I'm not in contact with him anymore, not very much, but he was definitely still available when I was job searching. So he def- he gave me a lot of really good advice. Uh, first off, first off about the applying to enough jobs, making enough effort, that kind of thing. And during the um, course, there is, you know, we have the imposter syndrome where you feel like you're not smart enough. This is really hard. How are other people doing this? Not good enough. I belong here. <laughs> Guys are very logical thinkers. You know what his response to me about that was? I'll never forget. It's just like. I, I'm dying to know. It's like, just ignore those feelings. It, <laughs> that's it. Just ignore those feelings. Uh, you know, I kind of had a point, though. I mean, it is kind of that simple. I'll just ignore them. Yeah. It worked. <laughs> I would love... It is true. I would love... It's kind of funny when, you know, it's like someone is crying or is upset. You say, don't cry or don't be upset. And I've definitely been on the receiving end of those suggestions. And I don't know. I don't think I could just switch it off that quickly. I think I need to let my emotions out, but... At the same time, like, you know, that imposter syndrome, I, I genuinely wonder how people can just switch that off. I, it is very hard, especially for, for girls. I think that's why there's not very many girls in this role, because having to control your emotions is the one of the hardest things to do, you know, having to control your mind. You know, if you have thoughts about not being good enough, not being good enough, not being smart enough. I think with any job, though, uh, you have to learn to control those thoughts first before you can accomplish anything. So it didn't just apply to coding, you know, it applied to everything else. You have to ignore the self-doubt because uh, if you don't control it, it can really hold you back. And although he only said the words (laughs) ignore those emotions, there was a bigger takeaway I got from it. Absolutely. And that is an incredibly profound opinion. I I certainly suffer from, you know, am I good enough and such? And I read somewhere that psychologically, the things you tell yourself, like, I'm this or I'm, I'm not smart or I'm not good enough, your brain eventually starts to believe that. And if you just start saying, I am good enough to yourself, it does change. So I, I tried that and I'm not saying I made a 180, but it, talking to yourself in a kind way really helps. Yeah. It's your thoughts. And then also, especially with coding, when you finally do make something that's not broken, you see it compile successfully, you get a green check mark or it shows up on the page and there's no errors. It's, like a drug it's the most incredible accomplishment feeling that overrides all the negative feelings that you were feeling up until uh you finally debugged something you know the that the good feeling that you get from finally completing something correctly overrides all the negative feelings in my opinion i think that's really what got me through is that all the struggles that you go through does end up paying off if you have the motivation and the drive for it Certainly. And one thing I'd like to ask a bit more about when you're saying that it's, you know, I do agree. It is a little harder sometimes for women in controlling their emotions, but you've connected that to why a lot of women aren't in this field. And I'd love to understand your perspective on that. You know, what, what do you think, you know, causes that emotional security or emotional intelligence? Do you think, carries into this field oh boy i feel like i could do a whole other podcast about just women in tech i'm sure we could (laughs) yeah so the difference i mean like why there's not very many females yeah i think we, we went over about how the emotional aspect of it i think that girls are more likely to lose confidence in it or just get frustrated with the work because it can be very tedious Uh, but logistically speaking like a like at home uh learning to code and coding can be very time consuming 
I, I believe. And it can take away from the responsibilities that women do have at home. I think women more than men end up having more of the responsibilities at home. I think that's one contributing factor to why there's less women in the, in the, in the industry. I think we are a little better at design. So it can be hard to translate the design aspect into, to, into software engineering. I mean, there is a way, but I think that might be a contributing factor as well too, but we definitely are more, more emotional creatures and we're more likely to get frustrated or, or, or quit or just let outside influences affect, affect it. Whereas boys, because they are more logical thinkers, I think they, they excel in being able to stick with something, even though it's hard and find another way. But I'm seeing a change, though. It looks like the girls that do stay in tech, they stay for a very long time. And they're the ones that are getting promoted and everything. And I'm seeing a lot of success for the girls that do enter in the field. So I think that there's always going to be change. That's great to hear. And yes, I'm all for women succeeding in whichever field they choose. So I'd love to hear a bit more. You were saying parlaying design into software engineering, which back to what I originally said, I never considered that. And I thought during our pre-interview, you were able to describe certain things you brought from your graphic design background and translated that into software engineering, which I thought was incredible. So I'd love for you to talk about that now. Yes, before when I was working as a graphic designer, I was doing, I mean, it kind of depends. I mean, I did everything. I was working on print packaging, you know, like labels of tags on clothes. And I was also doing occasional website designs. So if you design like a website or do like the wireframes for it, then your knowledge stops there. Eventually they're going to want somebody to build it, you know, and to be able to code it. And so that's when I saw that it's probably time I, I should probably learn it because it's clear that it's something that's becoming automated. Uh, there's a lot of different programs now that can remove the background from pictures or it, you just press a few buttons and it gives you like a whole layout uh, that you can do like without having to hire somebody. You can just do it on your own. So automation is truly the future and if we don't adapt with it then you're going to be left behind but i think the way that my background in graphic design is translated is well one of the more tactical reasons is because when i entered this role they do have a lot of random like things like images that need to be edited so i was the only one on my team that knows how to use photoshop so I know how to change things. I need to make a, a, a GIF once. So I made that and um, we needed a new logo for the software that we're making. So there's just a lot of random situations where I need to use Photoshop. And I also, they were not looking for this in the, in the role originally, but I started using uh, wireframing design. They didn't really have a plan in mind for how the application that we're building is going to be designed. So wireframing is something that you do before you actually start coding it to make sure that it looks the way that you want it to look. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like images that you kind of click through to make sure that it's what you like. So that was something I learned as a graphic designer too. I learned how to use um, the software to make wireframes. And today I'm the only person that knows how to do that. So I was able to make wireframes for the application that we're building. And then, once we decide that we like the way it looked, then we coded after that. Amazing. So I'm curious, um, did, and you said you weren't hired specifically for those types of tasks. I wasn't hired with the knowledge that I could make wireframes. That was something they kind of found <laughs> when I was hired, you know. Uh, oh, my yeah, they goodness. Yeah, they wanted somebody to just... Weren't they lucky? I, yeah, they wanted somebody that was able to just code. They wanted somebody with React knowledge and JavaScript, which which I have. 
Um, but one of the advantages with hiring me is that I do have um, wireframing knowledge from working as a graphic designer. So I was I I started doing that, and they found it very helpful, and they decided to keep having me do it. So. And I, I appreciate that too. Certainly. And that is such a Swiss army knife of skill sets that you have. My, not to, you know, pit anyone against anyone, but the thing I find with a lot of engineers, they just do not, they can build something really well, but understanding how the person uses a digital interface and navigates it, I've often had to describe things that I think are natural and that people should know. So I have found that relationship with software engineers to be a little tricky. So it is nice to know that, you know, someone here does understand the user experience and understands how something should flow together because it's, it's important. So that's fantastic. Yeah. That was something that they wanted because it's a brand new software that we're making and they just want to make sure that it gets off on the right foot. So that way it ends up being a good user experience as well too. Cause it's, sometimes it's not enough to just code something. You need to have some perspective on what the user will like and what will be easy to use. I completely agree. Um, you know, I was in a meeting the other day where, again, not to pit anyone against anyone, but the software engineer was just describing solutions to a problem that I, I, used more professional language but in my head I was like immediate no we can't do that it just it's not it makes zero sense for a user to do this and also working with a big enterprise if you change one thing it has a massive ripple effect so yes I I do see some and granted there's probably some things about his job that I don't know about so um incredible that you have that cross-discipline knowledge. Um, but I would love to hear a bit more about your day in and day out at your company. Um, it sounds like you're building its first product now. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear about that. Yes. we're The, the company that I work for is a, a marketing company and we're, they wanted to invest in building this at first, it's going to be an internal software at first, but then eventually they would like to, you know, expand the user base. Uh, but at first, it'll be within the company. They have a lot of data and a lot of reporting that they make for their clients. And it's like a lot, a lot of data, like spreadsheets with like a million rows or something like that. And it just takes way too long to process it and make reports on it in a timely manner. So they need to build a software that will first of all, make it faster, uh, easier, non-code knowledge. Like, so people who don't code are able to, to do it and be able to automate it. So those are like the four things it's hoping to accomplish. Uh, we've been working on it now for um, over a year, so the time that I've been working for them. And it's getting pretty close to finally start having um, our first users, we're still building it and doing our user testing and everything. Um, and along the way, I have had other projects for the other softwares that we do have in the company. Sometimes they need some extra hands in there too from, from somebody else who knows JavaScript as well too. And then there's some work in WordPress for the company website. Uh, so I've learned some WordPress as well too. Uh, I've also had to uh, take a few courses on Google Cloud because we're using Google Cloud as our server for all of the projects with the company. And just whatever random graphic collaterals they may need. So it changes all the time. But I am definitely like one of the pioneers that you could say for this application. There's about uh, three four engineers that were there from the very start of it. And it's not the first time that this company has done something like this before. They have done this 15 years ago where they have something that they need internally. So they put the team together to create it. And now it's one of the core functionalities of the company. So now they're just doing it again 
in hopes that it saves them a lot of and a lot of costs. So they don't have to keep hiring third parties to process data. We can do it internally. So it's kind of, it's an investment on their part. And then of course, once it's done, they need engineers around to maintain it. Um, that's my main role. And then whatever front end help they need, I help out with. Incredible. Yeah. This, it sounds like a really satisfying company to work for. The fact that, I mean, I know you weren't there, but people being there for 15 years and then finally building something to get your first users, that has to be incredibly satisfying. Oh yeah. It was definitely, I've had some really interesting conversations with the engineers that have been there for all that time. Uh, There's another front-end developer there that's been there for 10 years uh, working on the other software that they built 15 years ago. And it's just incredible to see the way that it's really helps the company. It's become such a big uh, software engineering project. And it's, it's really cool to see the way that it's changed the company and changed the way that we operate. And it's something that the company would really like to invest in because they've, they've seen how much it really helps to invest in the right technology. Certainly, certainly. Well, so what would you say gets you up every day to go to work? Like, what are your favorite things about this job? My coworkers. <laughs> I, I definitely do really like my coworkers. I've had jobs before where there's animosity there's workplace drama, or maybe your boss is just very strict, or maybe you don't click with him as well. But I have a very different feeling from from this company. So to me, this is more than just a software engineering school. It was a very much needed career change that really changed my life and my um, my future. You know, working with People that are just kind and a lot of fun to work with uh, has definitely made it much more fun to go to work every day. And also the, the nature of the work too. Sometimes it doesn't take all day to finish your work. There, if there's like a few tickets that you wanted to get through today and if you're done with it, then you can be done for the day. You know, they, they measure our performance based on like progress, you know, so it's a very different culture with, with um, software engineering jobs that I like working with. So, and plus the people. So it's, it's the culture that I like and the people that I work for, work with. That's incredible. Yeah. It sounds like a very progressive company in the sense that, yeah, I've definitely had managers be like, well, if you're not working exactly eight to five every single day, and except for those 30 minutes we give you for lunch, you know, why am I paying you? And that's just not sustainable. So I I love to hear that your performance is based on progress. That's, that's how it should be. If you only need to do two hours of work to get the same output, I, that's how life should be. So that's a wonderful thing to hear. And I'm glad that you're out of the toxic culture that was graphic design. So with that being said, you know, you're really happy with what you're doing. Where do you see yourself going in the future? Well, I don't really like job hopping. I know that's a thing that software engineers really like to do. And that's what we're always told to do. But before, when I was working as a graphic designer, I did do that a lot just because the roles are usually short-lived. It's usually like a contract basis role or, you know, a lot of times you do get laid off because maybe they just don't need the work anymore they found like another software that does it for them you know like my my job scope was very limited because i'm kind of being replaced by artificial intelligence you know so the future was different then as opposed to right now so right now i would like i do see myself staying with the same company I would like to see the software that I'm building right now I would like to see how it's going to help the company and and what it can do and when the company grows and evolves I would still like to be one of the people on the team that says that I 
you know, started at the beginning, we built this from scratch. Like I was the person that built this from the very, very first template. So I think I am one of those people that would stay at a job for longer time, even if that means less money. I'm not really the job hopper. Yeah. Certainly. And, you know, I think money is great. I, I like making it, but at the expense of happiness, I, I don't think so. But I, that's so thrilling to hear. Um, I, I can't even imagine that satisfaction of building something from scratch like that. Um, so with that, we are coming up on time. Ashley, are you open to having listeners connect with you on social media? I can definitely give out my LinkedIn and my Facebook. That'd be great. My first name is Ashley, so A-S-H-L-E-Y. And then my last name is Dragan, D-R-A-G-A-N. Thank you so much. I hope that, you know, a lot, I, you know, I don't hope, I know that a lot of people will find bits of information to guide themselves through their own journey here. And I wanted to ask one final question. Is there anything that you want to share? Any bit of advice or something you think would be relevant that we didn't discuss today? Yeah, I I hope that um, maybe the software engineers that are out there looking for a role right now or anyone that is looking for a job right now, I really wish I, pardon me, wishes I kind of went through with you guys, like looking for a job during a bad market. So that way I have some better advice to give on it. I will blame it all on Elon Musk. I think he started the uh, trend of laying off a lot of people in the tech world and it's kind of just been like a trend for a while now but i do promise you that you're in a much better place if you're career changing than what you were doing before the world is changing and it's going in this direction this techie direction and if we don't change with it then we'll get left behind so i think that you're taking the right steps in career changing if anyone out there is doing that right now. And it's just a matter of time until you get the results that you want. So I, I'm sorry if it's hard to look for a job right now. I still think it's Elon Musk's fault, (laughs) but just hang in there because I think there is still, it's still a much needed world with a much brighter future for us. That's an incredible perspective. Uh, My boss firmly agrees that, you know, we are getting these AI automated tools and we need to learn them because yeah, he he literally hasn't said your exact words, but he did very heavily allude that we will get left behind if we don't learn them. And I, it's great to hear that coming from other parts of the industry as well. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story. Enjoy your work vacation in France. Very jealous. Um, And for anyone listening, if you have any questions for Ashley or myself that could be answered on a future episode of this podcast, please email me at alumnipodcast at springboard.com.